worship. It is selfless. It is who you are at your very core and what you were created to do. Since time began, God created man to worship, to sing, and to play in one accord. But worship is more than just music, more than just songs. It is about how you choose to honor God in your life, in moments when no one is looking, in moments of great triumph, and in moments of great despair. Worship is about surrender, about unity, about thanksgiving. It is about fully devoting your life, your will, and your ways to God. It is about obedience and truth. It is about reflecting our Creator, who when He made you, knew every fiber of your being. created for purpose. You were created to give praise. You were created to honor our Creator. You were created for Good morning, everyone. We're so glad you're here with us. Welcome, everyone who's watching on YouTube for the first time, finally live. We're so excited. And if you found us, just stumbled upon us, because I know it's just showing up live on a lot of different feeds and stuff. We're so glad you're here with us. We'd love for you to take a time and click the subscribe button and just be able to find us again in the future. And we've been in a series they kind of started off not as a series. It just started off as a message for me because it started with me speaking to someone. And we have so many areas of ministry and just reaching out to people. And this one particular one, I was speaking to this person, and she said, you know, I pray every single day. And as I was talking to her, I said, you know, that's amazing and that's great. But she was talking about there's not results in her life like she would like. And she doesn't know why, but she keeps praying every day. And I said, you know, prayer is wonderful. And, and it's a huge, huge priority here. We have 21 days of prayer twice a year. So I'm not minimizing, I'm not knocking prayer in any way, shape, or form. But if that's the only thing you do, you're not going to see the same results. And I started sharing with her that there's, there's like many different facets that you need to do. All of these things, and it's not like it's checklists you got to go through, but there are things that we need to do to be able to have life to the full. And, and my favorite scripture that I always go to when I'm talking to anyone, if I'm talking to you for five minutes, I'm probably going to talk about this scripture because it's fast becoming my favorite. And it is, that John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And this is Jesus talking here. And I believe he's showing us that there's this continuum between two different worlds. And he's saying, the thief or the enemy or the devil is coming. And this is the world that you live in. And it's only trying to steal from you. It's trying to kill you. And it's trying to destroy you. It's trying to rob from you. It says in another one. And, and the world that's around us is always trying to rob our joy, steal everything we have, our happiness, everything. And that's what the world is like. But he says, on the other hand, I have come that you may have life 
and I love this translation, and have it to the full. And in that, I see two different paradoxes between the worst case scenario of of just having everything robbed from you all the way to life to the full. How do you get to life to the full? I don't believe it's just from saying a prayer and all of a sudden you're just over here. There's no more problems. In fact, I guarantee you that's not the case. It's this transition. And in that, I believe there are ingredients that are necessary to be able to make this transition because that transition doesn't happen automatically. We can slide into the world's way really easy. Or let me just speak for myself. I can slide into the world's way super easy. That way of going back into that negativity or that thing that wants to pull me down, that's so easy for me. But it's an uphill battle to come over here to life to the full. So we've been looking at some things. It's not supposed to be an exhaustive list, but some components of how to live life to the full. And really, as I was doing this, I got this image of being raised by my mom and learning how to bake a cake. And, and yesterday, we were, I was talking to my mom, and she sent me a text that we were just down there for her um, 16th birthday. Yeah, we'll go with that one. Maybe I won't get in trouble for this one. And she says, you know, she made this um, great casserole for us and the crock pot was so good I could use a whole big pile of that right now anyway um she sent me a text yesterday said I should have had you make the the um the um casserole she goes because I could just give you the list of ingredients to put in there and see if you could follow instructions I'm like oh that's really funny so um but anyway, I got this image in my mind of like baking a cake and there's all these different ingredients that are going to go into it. And if you just take the eggs and you just take the flour, even though there are ingredients that are part of it and that's all you have, you're not going to end up with a very nice cake. If you take some water that goes into it and some flour that goes into it, all you're going to have is glue. You need all the ingredients. And as I said every week, that, you know, if I was baking something for the first time and I missed an ingredient, I could go, all the others are right. You could tell there's something missing. And I believe it's the same way in our lives, that if we are not on top of doing all the different things in pursuit of God, in pursuit of this life to the full, we're going to find ourselves falling short. The first week we looked at prayer. And, 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 you know, that's the one that kind of started me off on this whole thing. And it's so important. It's just paramount. It's critical for us to have prayer in our lives. And we spent an entire week on that. And then the next week was on the Word, the Word of God, and how important the reading the Bible is to us, and, and speaking the Word. And then and endurance is the next week. And you can go back on our podcasts and on our, our YouTube channels. You can see all these things and hear them again if you, if you missed it or if you want to catch up with that and listen to those again. But you, endurance is another one. that You've got, you've got to keep going even when it doesn't look like it should be going right. And you're like, man, I'm doing the right things, but nothing's happening. you just got to keep going. You've got to have endurance. You've got to keep going. And then perseverance is part of that, that you're not going to let anything take you down from the left or to the right. We looked at this a relationship. Then we looked at faith for two weeks because faith is just this amazing thing. We could have spent a month or longer on faith, probably an entire year on faith, and how we need faith to be able to take this walk. And then we saw the testimony and how in the Bible says there was those who overcame the enemy, the devil. They overcame the world, and it says, by two things. Number one was the blood, the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us. And number two, by the word of our testimony, by sharing what God's done in our lives. It takes both components. And we talked about Easter's coming up, and it's a great opportunity to reach out to someone in our lives, and we have a responsibility to talk to other people. 
and use the word of our testimony. Apply the sacrifice that Jesus did and lives will be changed. And last week we looked at we're better together. We saw in the scripture that there was people in the Old Testament that says that they never saw the complete promise because God was saving it for us, that there was a component for us in their prophecies. This will be the second to the last one. Next week, we're going to have the conclusion of this whole thing because I, I think we could probably go on until Jesus comes back talking about all the different components of living life to the full. But these are the components that I really believe that God gave me for this time. But this morning, we're looking at one of the ones that probably is the biggest of all of them, if you can even say that, because it incorporates almost every one of the other ones. And that is worship. If you couldn't tell by the bumper video that we had coming in here, worship is what we're talking about. And I want you to turn your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And as you're turning there, I'm going to kind of set the, the table here of what's going on. David is a little ruddy, no, you know, snot-nosed kid who's got rejection all over his life. His father doesn't even include him in, in, in stuff for the family. He's got all these things. He's just put out to pasture, literally. And here, the prophet comes in and, and he has a word from God that there's going to be the next king is in the, the family of Jesse, and Jesse was David's father. And so the prophet comes in, Jesse brought in all the kids, except for David, had them lined up, and the prophet goes, no, 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 not you. You look like you should be. Nope, it's not you. And he went to the end, he goes, there's got to be somebody else, because I know I heard from God. And he's like, no, this is it. He's like, isn't there someone else? He goes, oh, well, we do have David. He's out in the, out in the, the field with the sheep. He goes, call him in. He calls him in, he goes, you're the guy. It's you, it's all about, and all the brothers are like, man, I'm the big one, I'm the strong one, I'm the one that it should be me, and I'm in the army, and I'm all these things. <laughs> and the prophet says, no, 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 yes. The next verse is where we pick this up in verse 14. I encourage you, as you're reading your Bible, to go back and read part of this. Put the notes to go back and read that story. It's an incredible story, but we pick it up here. That Saul was the first king of Israel, and he had been anointed by God for that position, but he made some decisions and he opened some doors that God has said, I'm done with you, I'm moving on. God is hitting the next button, if you will. We pick up with verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, King Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. And I believe that God didn't just necessarily send an evil spirit to just mess with him. I believe that Saul had opened the door, if you go and read all the, the backstory of this, but Saul had opened the door and it, God allowed this evil spirit now to come over there because of the doors that had opened him. So that Saul's attendants, those people who were around him in his courts, had seen an evil spirit is tormenting you. And, and I tell you that the people that I deal with and, and talk to all the time, there are evil spirits tormenting people today. An evil spirit, because of doors that were open, evil spirits because things that have happened in generations past, all kinds of different ways, not the point of what we're looking at. We looked at evil spirits several weeks ago now, a couple of months ago, so you can go back and listen to that one if you want to. But the evil spirit was tormenting Saul. 
They continue, verse 16. Let our Lord command his servants to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play with, in the, the evil spirit. For, when God comes upon you, you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendant, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. And one of the servants answered, I've seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play. And he's a fine man and a warrior. He's a young kid. He just was rejected in the previous verses, like three verses ago. He's like, he's still out in the field going, hey, I don't even know there's a party going on. I don't even know the prophets at our house. I'm still out here with these stinky sheep. And here's the word that's over him. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well. He's a fine looking young man. And the Lord is with him. He had a reputation because of what he did in private. We've already talked about that. I'm not going there today. Oh, I still want to go there. Verse 19, then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who was with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat and sent them with his son to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered into his service. He came into the palace and David liked him very much. And David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, allow David to remain in my service for I am well pleased with him. Whenever, verse 23, I laid the table for this. Whenever the spirit from God, this evil tormenting spirit, came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul, and he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave. This is one of the primary verses in the Bible that we can see that when worship is played, when when you're creating an atmosphere of worship to God, using the gifts that are given to those people with those gifts, you change the atmosphere. That even when Saul had opened up the doors to the devil and he was walking through all that and he was being tormented by that, worship came in and changed the atmosphere and freed him from the torment, even if it was just for a short period of time. We sang the song this morning, we raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah. We saw the song and where it came from, that there was this little child that was in the, in the hospital and, and he was going to die and there was no hope. And, and one of the worship leaders at Bethel was given the call and he's just crying out to God. And in the midst of that seri- serious situation where he thought that child was going to die and it was hopeless, he started raising up worship inside of him and the spirit of God came in and changed that whole situation and even in the video you see the child on his dad's shoulder clueless doesn't really know what's going on but we all know and it brings emotion to our eyes when we see that but we can raise our hallelujah we can raise our voice in worship we can raise our change our entire atmosphere by worship but it's not just in this situation. In, in, in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, now Jesus has already been on the scene. He's been crucified. He's resurrected. He's gone. And here Paul and Silas are out there doing the work of God. And they get picked up for talking to people about Jesus. And they get beaten really, really bad, trying to make them stop it. And they're saying, you need to stop this, or we're going to keep this up. We're going to lock you in prison. We're going to throw away the key. we got all this control. We're exercising over you. Now, I don't know about you, but if I've got a lot of stuff coming against me, sometimes it's like, man, am I sure this is what I want to do? Am I sure I want to keep going when all of this trouble is coming my way? Maybe this is a clue that I should stop. 
Acts 16, verse 23. And after they've been severely flogged with that whip, and they're just beating their backs, and they're, they're chained up there. They can't move, and they're just beaten to a pulp. And, and some of the translations and how they did it, they were hitting the backs of their legs, and, and right in the crack of the crease of their, their legs, and their, their calves, and everything, that it was pushing them down further and further, and they couldn't stand, and their back, and all around, and the, the whip is coming around, and they're just tore up. They were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet to the stocks. And, and the people that have been there and seen this is like down at the very, very bottom. And, and I know you probably have heard me talk about this before, but they didn't have running sewers and stuff. So if you're at the top and you use the bathroom in your cell, it just kind of went to the next level and the next level and the next level. And they're down at the bottom level where all of that stuff ended up, if you follow what I'm saying. And it's such a small place that you can't stand up. And then they've got chains all around them that they can't sit down. And they're in this pain in all of these situations. It's the worst thing that many of us could even imagine. And at midnight, verse 25, Paul and Silas were praying (laughs) and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. That makes no sense at all to me. I grew up hearing this message and hearing this story and reading this in the Bible. This still makes no sense to me that you were just beaten within an inch of your life for testifying about God. And you get in there and you're in this terrible pain that your entire body is aching and hurting and you can't let go. There's no relief inside and there's raw sewage all around you. And your thought is to pray and sing. You see, they were raising this hallelujah up in the midst of their, their struggle, in the midst of their turmoil, in the midst of everything that's going on them. And look what happens. Verse 26, and suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that all the foundations of the prison were shaken. And all at once, the prison doors all flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And I highlight that everyone's chains came loose. See, when you're worshiping, when you're creating this atmosphere, it doesn't just create the atmosphere for you. It breaks the chains of of people all around you. There's freedom that comes. The word of our testimony, the work of what God did uh, through Christ on the Calvary, but it comes and breaks the chains for everybody around you. But it's easy to praise and it's easy to worship when you've asked God for this stuff and, and then you see the end of the story. You get the answer, and the answer is here. Man, anybody can go, God, thank you so much for, for my raise, and thank you for my children coming home, and thank you for my marriage being saved, and thank you for my health in my body where I had a death sentence. Anybody can do that when it's here. But what does it take to worship when it still looks really bad? In the midst of your enemies, and in, and in um, Psalms, 23, many people know this, this, this passage. That it's described that God makes a banquet table in the midst of your enemies. That when the war, warfare is going on all around us, you can sit there and have lunch with Jesus. What does that take? It takes worshiping, creating an atmosphere in the storm. If you turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 4. 
Jesus, we looked at this several weeks ago as well, was being tempted by the devil right after the presence of God came into his life. And, and we saw that um, he was baptized and then the spirit fell from heaven like a dove was on him. And then we hear the only time in the Bible that the audible word from God is thundering from heaven, this is my son. One of the things that he was tempted immediately, verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he, the devil, said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you will just fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall, now look at this, this is really, really important, you shall worship the Lord your God. Jesus is quoting scripture worship the Lord your God. But, and it says in the next verse, and the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. But let's look at where Jesus is quoting. It's from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. And what does it say? It says, fear the Lord your God and serve him only and take your oaths in, only in his name. Jesus said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And yeah, he's quoting Deuteronomy where Moses wrote fear. And that word, when you look at it, literally is the reverence towards God. And a better translation for what we understand is worship. So Jesus took and said, hey, it's not about trembling, going, oh, there's a God in heaven, ah, and being fearful, and all the things that our connotation and our mind comes to fear. But it's about worship, that God, I recognize you're higher than me, and I give you all this adoration, and I serve you only. So let's look, that, let's look at one instance in the Bible. There's multiple. But let's look at one instance where we could take that word interchange. It's the exact same word that Jesus changed for worship in Matthew. Look at Psalm 34, verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. See, that's what we're supposed to be giving to those people that are around us. Taste and see. There's this great opportunity for you to experience God. Taste it. Try it. Here's this piece of cheesecake. Won't you try it? It's so good. See that he is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Man, he's there for when you have problems. Look at this, verse 9. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. Now let's change that out like Jesus showed us, and let's put worship. Worship the Lord, you his holy people. Look at this. For those who worship him lack nothing. Can I tell you that worshiping God is bringing an offering to him? It's coming to him and saying, this doesn't make any sense, but I'm bringing this to you. And and it, it seems like I should be going the other direction, but my faith, my trust, my hope is in you. In the Old Testament, it's surrounded bringing a sacrifice of an animal to the temple and, and laying on the altar, and, and then it, it creates an atmosphere like heartache. And how many of you have gone by heartache and you can smell all that great, wonderful um, sacrifice and offering that's just waiting to be consumed? The Bible says that our worship to God is like a sweet-smelling savor, like us driving by heart eight, and you can smell that goodness, like, oh, man, my mouth is watering right now, just smelling what's going on in that room. That's what worship does. It says God is pleased. In a similar way, it's like, if you follow this analogy with me, when you're going to church, 
And you bring your tithes and your offerings because that's what God has asked for you. And you say, hey, I'm going to obey God, so I'm going to bring my tithes and offerings into the storehouse. Hey, I want to be a part of what's making this church succeed and go to the next level and, and go turn the next day and to be a part of being the solution for this whole thing in the finance. It's the same thing with worship. See, worship isn't just a filler time that we sing for all the people who are going to show up late. Worship is this time that just like you're bringing your offering, you're putting in the offering bucket, that you're bringing your offering of worship to say, God, here's my life. It doesn't make sense. It looks like I should be going under. It looks like I may go under any minute now. But I choose to raise a hallelujah. I choose to worship you. I choose to be like Paul and Silas when I've been beaten, I've been tore up on every son. I'm going to pray. I'm going to sing a song. Can I tell you, for me personally, one of the greatest joys in my life is being around people who worship. And if there's an opportunity that we're, the people are singing, man, I want to just wiggle my way in the middle of it and I want people on my left and on my right who are singing and harmonizing and I want to just jump in. I want to find my part in that. And I was raised with a family that's heavily into, into music and singing. And I remember growing up as a little kid that me and my cousin Alan, we'd play around in the back and all my aunts and uncles around the piano and, and singing and, and all this stuff on Saturday nights. And then we would, we would just have this time. And just Then we would jump in there and Alan and I would sing. And then we'd go back and play little trucks and we'd do all this stuff. We're heavily involved with Sunday mornings and Sunday nights sing-alongs. And, and in fact, everybody knew that I had a favorite song. And if, if they said, is there anybody that has a song you knew little Kevin's going to raise his hand or just shout out from the back, page 14, which is I'll fly away. And, and then I would often go up to the front and sit by, stand by whoever's leading and then just belt it out from my, I, I'll fly away some glad morning. My mom created an interest in me to learn the guitar, and we were on the worship team together for many years at our church. Still such a great source of enjoyment for us to worship together. My grandmother, in fact, she loves with her harmonica. Just You mentioned her harmonica, and it's whipped out there. She's playing a song before you can even say another word. You have this opportunity for worship to be a life experience that comes out. Worship creates an atmosphere. Creates an atmosphere. I kind of cut the worship short this morning to allow a little bit of time for right now. And I want to give us an opportunity to not just hear about worship, but to gather even what you don't understand and say, I'm bringing you an offering. The same way if I was preaching a message about money and tithes and offerings and you go, okay, God, I'm ready to step out here and and I've never done this before, but I'm going to give an offering into you. The same way you may have never worshipped before and and I have no idea who's watching us online or when you're going to see this or hear this and all the stuff that's going around the world. It's just baffling to me, all the people who are listening to our podcasts and seeing our videos. may have never worshipped before. In fact, you may say, that music isn't anything I really like. I hear this quite often, actually. You know, I prefer this R&B stuff, and I prefer this other stuff. 
Can I suggest to you that it's something new and it's something worth trying. It may not be your musical taste, but can I tell you, it can become that. Because when you see the life change that happens inside of you, everything changes. So I want to encourage you to stand up with me. And just close your eyes. And you may never have experienced this before. It may be a little bit awkward for you, in fact. In the same way, I encourage you just to come and what means something to you. Come to God and say, I'm here to worship you. And we're going to sing this song together. I'm to worship here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Here I am, here I am to
And as you find yourself at this place that it may have been the first time you've ever worshipped, that you come and bring that sacrifice to Him. Can I tell you as we're finishing up the service, as we're closing out, the first step in worship is surrender. And if you want to take this journey, and this may be your first time of hearing anything about God, or hearing anything about His presence, or the ingredients of living life to the full, we want you to take this journey. In fact, we would love you to take this journey with us. This isn't about joining a church. It's not about anything. It's about a personal relationship with the God who loves you. This morning, I want to invite you to follow me in this prayer. That's you. Simply say this. Say, Jesus, I've tried it on my own. My life's a mess, and I need you. I ask you to come and live inside of me. Save me. Change me. Show me what and how to do. Make me more like you. I'm changing my mind. And I'm not living by what I see, but by what your word says. I choose this morning to trust you. And I put my faith in you. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe the many times before. Lord, we just bring our worship to you this morning and we surrender our lives anew and afresh to you. Lord, I thank you that you're helping us to live life to the full. Lord, that we we work our way and we try and put ourselves more in obedience to live life to the full and to seek your kingdom, that your kingdom will come in my life. And Lord, that we don't fall simply into sliding into the world's way. But Lord, we put the effort into living life your way. Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. And as we close this morning, if, if that was you and you have a connection card here in the building or even if you're not, I, I encourage you to text the word NEXT, N-E-X-T, to the 469 number 289-1114. Text the word NEXT if you made that decision to 469-289-1114. We want to be a part of your next step, and that's all that is. We're so glad you're here. And I want to encourage you to keep talking to people about your testimony, about what God has done. Even if it's one little tiny minor thing, tell somebody this week and invite somebody to be a part of Easter with us. Whether it's watching online, invite somebody over to your house. If you're, if you're watching and you can't even, t- tell them just to join in and tell them, hey, I'm going to text you when I'm about to go online. We can be online together. There's a chat thing that Michael talks about. You guys can chat back and forth and, and text each other. But just do something outside of the norm to tell somebody. And for those of you who are interested, you can give to the church by going to givetobelong.com. And I know all this stuff is at the bottom of your screen, so I'm going to let you all have it from there. We're so glad you're here with us and we can't wait to see you next week. Let's just pray one last time. Father, I thank you for everyone who's connected with us this week. Lord, through the connection cards, through the prayer requests, Lord, the people who pay their tithes and offerings and given to the church, Lord, I speak a blessing over all of them. 
And Lord, what you're doing is not about me. It's not about the church, our name. It's about your kingdom. And Lord, we thank you that your kingdom come through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.